build a team and trust. Build a team and trust. So the things that you need to look for uh, and bring in are, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago. Integrity is everything. Person's integrity. Ethics, you got to do the ethical thing. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller and uh, welcome to another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a patent and trademark attorney at uh, Founded Miller IP Law, as well as a, a serial entrepreneur that loves to uh, talk with others and hear their inventive journey. Um, today we have a great guest on. He is, uh, his name is uh, John Standish and he uh, started his career in uh, law enforcement has a had a fun career going from law enforcement to fraud there to the fraud unit and uh, going to insure working with insurance companies and now he's uh, done his own startup so welcome on the uh, on the podcast John well, thank you I'm happy to be here thanks for the invitation <laughs> all right well pleasure why don't you I did a quick introduction but why don't you start us at the beginning of your journey a little bit 32 years I think you said uh, when we talked before in law enforcement or quite a while and then you now uh, kind of almost in your uh, second career. So maybe walk us through or tell us, tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Well, I'm, I am in my second career, technology, uh, with a, a startup a software company called Infinalytics. We're based in Silicon Valley. Um, basically, we're an artificial software company that uses machine learning to extract structured and unstructured uh, data and insurance claim files and deliver insights for better decisions. That's what we do. So, but my first career, how my journey started, uh, goes way back in uh, 1978, 79, when I got into law enforcement um, in the Bay Area. And I joined the California Highway Patrol in uh, January of 1980, went through the academy, graduated, and went back to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I know it's early on, but I'm going to jump in, just ask you, so what, you know, I always find it interesting, everybody, when they take different career paths. So what, what you originally directed you to law enforcement was, you know, you wanted to serve people, you had other family that was in law enforcement. Well, it's what like, it, okay, well, that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, you know, I, I was kind of, I was being pushed in two different directions hmm. early on in my life in, in high school. Um, one direction was, is, to become a professional golfer because I, I have I had the talent I played in high school and I enjoyed it but I got burned out on it I mean you hit you know you hit a, a thousand golf balls a week you know and eventually you're going to burn out um, so God bless the men and women that, that do that now that's, that's incredible but um, the other thing you know was you know should I become a doctor um, you know being kind of pushed that way mm. and then one one night I uh, uh, took a, a my local police department had a ride along program where, you know, if you lived in the city, you could sign up and, and ride with an officer for a couple of hours to see what it's like. Um, it is a great community uh, building a, a tool that the police department uses. And that changed my life. Hmm. This right then and there, I said, no, this is what I want to do. I like the, uh, the aspect of public service, law enforcement, um, and that's the direction I went. So there was my first pivot in life. <laughs> so, right. so, so I did that. So um, when I got on the highway patrol, just like everybody else, uh, you know, you are assigned to a regional office and you are on patrol duties. Mm. Um, you know, and just like any, any police department, patrol is the bread and butter, but then there's specialization programs. 
um, one of which uh, was investigations, which I was okay, so always. I'm always I get to jump in one more question just because I always <laughs> completely unrelated, but I'm sure other, I'm not the only one that's had it. So highway patrol, you always wonder if you go five or ten over if you're likely to get pulled over. That's how everybody that always drives. So what was your if pulling people over if they're going five over? Well, you know, I mean, okay, well, I'll tell you, there's uh, uh, <laughs> Completely aside, but I always just had that question, so I figured I might as well take advantage of it. Well, Devin, thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the thing. If, um, you know, if you're a highway patrol officer and you encounter a pack of cars and everyone's doing 75, 80 miles an hour, mm. and they're just all traveling together, I mean, yeah, you could pick out one car, or maybe a better thing to do is get in front of everyone and slow everyone down and then move on. Uh, but if you are weaving in and out of traffic, accelerating, slowing down, following too closely, making unsafe lane changes, mm. you are a target. Okay. So I'll just kind of the, the nail that sticks out gets hammered, so to speak. It's pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fact of life. <laughs> All right. I, I was just curious. So I didn't mean to deal it, but it was, yeah, you mentioned highway patrol. I've always had that question. I know others have always had it. So I figured I'd get your perspective. So didn't mean okay. to go too far side, but go, go ahead and continue on your journey. So, um, so about the uh, fifth year into the Highway Patrol, I had transferred out of the San Francisco Bay Area and gone to Sacramento, and I became fascinated um, with uh, what, what's called accident reconstruction, reconstructing uh, an event, an automobile collision. Um, you know, science and math is involved, and so I, I, I had a background in that, and I liked uh, numbers and, and the physics and I, there was always this natural curiosity into me, like, mm -hmm. why did this happen? Okay. And if that happened, why, what caused that to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that was just my, it's my natural curiosity. So I really got interested in that and got accepted into a, a program uh, on the highway patrol. It's called MATE, the M-A-I-T. It stands for multidisciplinary accident investigation team. And that is comprised of four individuals. Uh, there are two officers that have specialty training in what's known as occupant, occupant kinematics in vehicle dynamics. In other words, studying what happens to the human in an automobile collision when they're inside a compartment of an automobile. What caused them to be injured? What mm -hmm. caused the fatality injured? Things, you know, really starting to drill down um, and, and reconstructing the event. And that's, that was one of my first takeaways uh, that I care that I've carried on in life right now is doing investigations or a project on a multidisciplinary approach. And what I mean by that, on the Highway Patrol, the main team, you had your two officers and you had uh, uh, Caltrans, California Department of Transportation engineer, who handled you know the roadway design, and then you had a motor carrier specialist, you know, a, a, a mechanic with some expertise. And so those four people would function as one team to reconstruct the event, looking at all different types of, of issues. And I really enjoyed that. So I did that and then they asked me to, uh, if I wanted to go into um, what was known as the uh, staged automobile collision unit, which was attached to the auto theft unit, and look at referrals from the insurance industry where the, if the insurance company suspected that the claim uh, involved a staged automobile collision, because there's, there's an inverse. If you can prove how an automobile collision occurred mm. uh, factually with evidence, the inverse is, is you can prove that the collision could not occur as being reported. Mm. So that was my first introduction into the world of insurance. And when I started, they told me what I was going to be doing. I didn't have a clue, anything uh, about the insurance industry. 
you talk about fast on the job training and uh, having to pick stuff up and thank God there was some uh, experienced officers and some wonderful people from the investigation teams in the insurance industry. They were great to work from and, and learn from uh, about the nuances of insurance claims. And I really, really took a liking into this. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the work. So I did that for nine years uh, there out of Sacramento and then uh, recruited, I was recruited by the California Department of Insurance, uh, the enforcement branch now, and there's a unit in there, it's called the Fraud Division. It's a law enforcement agency within a state regulatory agency. It's highly specialized and their sole mission is to investigate uh, reported instances of fraudulent insurance claims as it's reported by the insurance industry and consumers. Um, went in as a detective, and I retired as the chief of the fraud division in on August first of twenty ten. And you know, so it it was really interesting. Is like when I went in as a detective, the only thing I was focused on, you know, was obviously, you know, the criminal investigations. But as you start to ascend into the chairs of supervision and management and the executive ranks, there's a whole different world uh, that you have to negotiate and uh, uh, manage. And I really enjoyed doing that. So again, some experience in creating legislation, uh, the uh, regulations that are put upon the insurance industry that monitor them and guide them while they're transacting insurance. And, you know, and over the years, I got really interested in technology. Now, you know, I was always the type of guy that, you know, I had to, if, if, if a new toy came out, had to have it, had to have that new toy and try it out and use it. Had some good toys and some horrible toys. You know, the, pretty, um, the prettiest, it's, the joke always goes, you know what the prettiest color of, or prettiest color for a car is, right? Exactly. New. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, same thing with technology. I'm exactly the same way. So, that, that's, yeah. that's always fun. So, you know, being, in, you know, I, I got to monitor and lead a number of different types of technology projects. And um, when I retired, um, you know, for the first 90 days, I didn't do anything. I played golf. I read about five newspapers. I watched the morning news shows. I went to the beach. I mean, you know, and, you know, and it, it, it kind of got boring in a way. Mm. So, you know, it's like, okay, I've got to do something. So I started a consulting company uh, where I would provide services to the insurance industry, ex provide expert testimony and analysis if the insurance company got sued for bad faith and or they got sued because their special investigation did a, a, a their special investigation unit did a um, an investigation on a on a what they thought was a fraudulent claim. Did they do it right? Did they abide by the regulations? Did they abide by the law? Did they document it correctly? Report it correctly? That whole type of thing. And so I started doing a, a couple of these projects a year. Not enough to really keep you busy full time, but I mean it was nice to keep. It, it's good to keep the mind engaged. But so at the I'm same, gonna, I'll jump yeah. in just. Again, kind of an aside, but these there's two fun of questions not to ask. So within sure. the fraud unit, consulting, everything else, without getting into details that you couldn't or couldn't disclose, what's the craziest case or what's the craziest uh, circumstance you worked on? Oh my God, Devin, we're going to need four other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the thirty second overview, just the funny or the it, one that you would never have thought of, or the craziest one you worked on. Um. Well, some uh, I wouldn't say I don't I don't know about crazy. But I think one of the ones that was most interesting that uh, was really eye-opening was is um, I uh, arrested this uh, gentleman who lived in Carmel, California, mm. and he was a professor 
at the uh, Defense Language Institute, DLI, where they sent, you know, where all the military troops go to learn a language before they're assigned overseas. So he, he taught, he was an Arabic language instructor. And um, he had a, uh, a condominium on, on, on the Pebble Beach property, mm. along with a home in Carmel Valley. Well, excuse me, not on the salary of a language <laughs> professor at the DLI. So first warning. So what this guy was doing was staging automobile collisions um, quite frequently to fund his lifestyle. Really? And um, yeah, and so it was kind of, it was interesting um, working that investigation because he was tied to other things that we found about um, when I executed some search warrants for the premises. Um, and it, it woke a lot of people up. I think that's one of my most memorable things because uh, it's like there's the old adage, you never know what's on the other side of the door until you walk through it. Huh. Um, and that, that one was really kind of uh, interesting, but I've got a lot of others too. But right. we'll, we'll just hit on what I just, I thought it'd be interesting just to hear some, I'm sure there are yeah. plenty of fascinating stories, but. Oh, so. you, you meet some incredibly mentally challenged individuals that try and get away with stuff. And then you meet some very sophisticated in mm. very smart people that get away with it for a while until they're caught. Mm. Um, those are the, I always, I always like working the complex uh, organized crime stuff, but anyway, um, jumping back to your story, you know, I was always interested in technology, uh, you know, new software programs, new computer systems, always had to have the fastest and nicest computer. I mean, typical stuff. So when I retired, um, I had met some people from SAS, the SAS Institute. Mm. And uh, some amazing, brilliant people. Um, it really enjoyed interacting with them. And uh, I was asked if I would be interested in becoming an alliance partner and a consultant and work with SAS, uh, which I did. And I worked in the uh, state and local government practice for criminal justice, along with a financial crimes practice, which is uh, interacted with the insurance uh, people as well. Did that for three years, had a great time, learned a lot. Um, and then uh, I get this uh, email um, out of nowhere through LinkedIn uh, from Sri Ramaswamy, who was going to start a company called Infinalytics. And she asked if I would be interested in joining the startup. Mm. Uh, I, was, I was very flattered. I never saw this coming. Um, so we talked. And a couple months later, um, you know, I, I bid my uh, goodbyes and uh, to the SAS team, and I started with Shri and Infinalytics. And, um, you know, over the last uh, four years, uh, we have created an amazing product, artificial intelligence product that's called Charlie. Uh, it does three different things. Um, we are a bootstrapped startup. We have not taken any funding from anybody yet. Um, door is still open, but yet, but, you know, trying to find a uh, the right VC uh, who has a has who has a, a broad vision and can see down the road instead of the quarterly spreadsheet reports, um, you know, can be a challenge. I mean, it's just the nature of the game. We understand that, mm. um, but we're, uh, we're we're having a lot of fun. Um, done some amazing projects for people, got some customers, and uh, that's uh, that's my journey. So, if you would have asked me in you know, December of 1978, uh, how I would like being part of an artificial intelligence software company, I would have looked at you and said, you're nuts. I don't know what you're talking about. But here we are. Well, you never know where things are going to take you. So with that, it's a good, interesting point. So you to take, I mean, and I can see some overlaps and how it did, but, you know, working from 
police officer, you know, highway patrol and then fraud unit and some of the things you went there. That one, you know, that kind of certainly makes a common thread in, in how you do it. Now you're over to AI and, you know, artificial intelligence and computer software. And how is that transition or, you know, from almost two, at least seemingly disparate or different types of careers, how was that transition or how did that, how did that work for you? You know, it was interesting. It was an interesting process and it's still an ongoing process because um, what we have done at Infinalytics is um, following what I had learned in my first career, uh, Sri and Rama and Bala, the other co-founders, it didn't take too long to realize that a great approach is to take a multidisciplinary approach. Mm. So we created uh, some artificial intelligence software for the insurance industry. So, you know, if you just have, you know, a data scientist and, our, and an architect set out on this, on this journey to do that with no knowledge of the insurance industry, it's not going to work. Mm. So having a domain expert or, you know, as part of the core team, um, really helps. And so like when we started this journey, I mean, you know, as Sri will tell you that I was locked in a room in Santa Clara, uh, which would total about two weeks and the engineers and the data scientists did a brain dump mm -hmm. starting at insurance 101 to investigations 101 to try and spot fraud and other patterns, other patterns of behavior patterns and other types of analysis that an insurance company would do to keep, you know, um, to keep profitable and running. Um, so they, you, you, it's kind of like the analogy is like, you're going to build a piece of AI software for an industry. One of the first things that you should do is pick an expert from that industry and mimic his or her mind. Mm. That is, that is a huge advantage because it's like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just like the analogy between law enforcement and inve investigating claims. If you take a senior patrol officer who has worked a beat or a city for 20 years, they will tell you to the day and the hour of the day where the troublemakers are going to be. Then they go find them, right? It's just experience. They know their city. They know their environment. The same thing with uh, the claims examiner. Uh, a senior accomplished claims examiner knows shortcuts, how to get to the bottom of things quickly, how to document it quickly and settle the claim quickly. Whereas the new person in that's been hired to adjust claims isn't a huge learning curve, especially mm -hmm. if they have no experience in that. So one of the, one of the things that we strive to do with our, with our solution, our, our Charlie uh, platform is to help the new claims examiner learn from the senior accomplished because we mimic the mind with that, with our AI of those people. And so they can learn faster, hmm. uh, you know, as it goes along. No, that's a good, and oftentimes you think, you know, you, and I'm, I'm always work a lot with the, the software and the uh, engineers type side. And, you know, oftentimes I think there's a, you know, sometimes almost a flaw in the logic of, Hey, I can figure this out or we can come up to speed or this is really a software problem. But if you're not getting the, if you're not getting the full background and experience of someone that's done that, it's going to be hard to try and replicate it if you don't know what type of things. So I think that's a, that's a very yeah, good well, you know, I remember three years ago, um, we were invited to uh, participate and speak in this insurance accelerator program. It is a Silicon Valley insurance accelerator. It's, it's, it's tied to Stanford university. And uh, the very first meeting we went to, the very first uh, two-day conference, I mean, th th there must have been over a couple of hundred people from startups. It would, The room was packed. And they had uh, industry leaders, you know, making presentations. 
uh, technology leaders, you know, people from, I mean, the big companies and everyone's feverishly taking notes and handing on every word they said. And I remember sitting next to Sri and it, as I was looking around in the room and it's like, okay, besides the insurance people speaking on stage, you know, that work for the insurance company right now, I think I was the only one in the audience with any experience working within mm. the industry. And I said, I don't know if this is going to work because you had people creating software with no knowledge on how the business or the insurance industry functioned. And, and what's really kind of interesting now when, when we go back and participate in these programs, most of the people aren't there. Companies didn't make it. So I, guess that, so I guess that's one of the takeaways for a startup, you know, and, you know, is like bring in, find someone from your domain that you're going to service and you've got to bring them in uh, to be successful, I think. No, I, I, that's similar. I'm, I'm working with another uh, startup that is uh, going to be launch, or launching their product in not too long. And they're in the diabetes, you know, it's technology and it's for wearables, but they're in the diabetes monitoring for um, wearables. And one of the things I think they did to their credit and very good idea is they brought in a doctor that's a diabetologist that works with the patients on a day by day. And it may be, you know, the insights you get from that side, we can do the best technology, but the insights you get from the doctor and how the patients, what they need to know and how they work. And much like what you're saying is it's a, it's a big difference between the, what you can do. Exactly. I mean, that, 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 that is a, a great example. I mean, having the doctor there as part of the team going, yeah, the, you can do this or no, you can't do that. I mean, yep. yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's the other thing too, with, uh, I wanted to mention um, the, the regulation guidelines and practices set onto the insurance industry. And in the beginning of this, we saw a lot of companies come up with some of these, some of these ideas and the software that they were building um, you know, and it's just like, I wanted to hand them a copy of the, of the regulations for, uh, the claims practice act and the suspected reporting suspected frauds. And you all need to read this before you think about creating your software, because what you designed, it's never going to work. It's, yeah. it's just not going to get introduced. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I'm going to shift here. I always have my last few questions, but the question before my last few questions, one more on the, uh, is so. How is it, so, you know, as, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm, you know, police and that is always, you know, governmental, run through the government. You have, you know, what would be, never, no one's ever secure, but it's certainly a different animal when you're a government employee as opposed to a startup. How is that transition? Is there anything different or anything of note or anything unexpected when, one, you know, for a while of your career, you're working for as a, an office police officer and for the government industry versus now doing it as a startup? You know, that's a great question. And there are some similarities. And what I mean by that is like, okay, there's, there's this misnomer, I think that, you know, if you work for government, you got a job for life. Well, <laughs> that's not true. I mean, if you are a screw up and you don't do your job, you will get fired. Um, it's, it's plain and simple. So, I mean, it's kind of like this, this rumor that's running around. So people are held accountable. Now in law enforcement, if you screw up and make mistakes, I mean, yeah, you're probably not going to be around too long, but you know, your life and other people's lives are going to be in jeopardy. So you can't do that. Yeah. You, I mean, you got to stay sharp. Um, and that's how they go through the process to, to, to find the right people and weed them out through the training. And the people that are on the streets are competent and can do this. But in a startup, it's kind of like um, there's this, there's this flavor of, 
and we have fallen into this trap we have been suckered in where these people will come along and they'll say, because of my skills, you need to hire me. Um, and they're, I, I, I think they're nothing but quick buck artists and they don't stick around too long after you pay them an ungodly sound of money and they didn't do anything. So it's, it's like, you know, being committed when you start working on a startup and into a project, you need some people that are committed and have integrity and ethics and they can be resilient. Because I, I will tell you, going into a startup mode, especially in technology, is not easy. If it was easy, a lot of people would do it, right? <laughs> a lot and of the money would flow. I mean, a lot, a lot, I mean you know, a lot of people, would, and you, there isn't. It's, yeah. it's hard. Yep. But if you stick with it and you have the right team and the right idea and then the right mentorship, and then hopefully the funding will come, you can scale. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's some similarities, but you know, if, if you're doing the right thing and moving forward, uh, and you have those core principles, I think you're okay. All right. Well, that's great. That's great insight. Okay. Well, we're reaching towards the end of the podcast. And so now I will hit on my, the last two questions I always hit on at the end of the podcast. And the first one is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made? Uh, yeah, but thank you for that negative question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll give you the board. Co- so t- typical. T- <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is, this is like the typical <laughs> lawyer. You don't ask the question unless you know the answer. So here's the, I, our, our biggest, uh, our worst decision we made was having a big vision, which, which we did, mm. but we didn't start small. And what I mean by that, so in the business of insurance, there are, they're called lines, different lines of insurance, mm-hmm. automobile, workers' comp, disability and health, long-term care, uh, property and casualty, uh, personal lines, uh, liability, and then you have all your specialization uh, programs as well. So when we designed Charlie, we designed it for all lines of business. So that's how we built it and coded it. I mean, we processed over 33 million claims to date, and we have over 2,000 unique insights developed from the artificial intelligence. Hmm. Our mistake was this not focusing on one line of business. In other words, starting small, hmm. be successful, and then scale it. So looking back, I mean, yeah, it, you need the broad vision. Absolutely. You need to have a broad vision. But picking you know one line and starting small and then scaling from there that's what we're doing and that's so that's probably a little bit the same but the technologist or technologist in me or the engineer in me always oh we could do these five cool things and we could do all these and it'd be be awesome it'll be the best product ever and yet then you lose focus on doing one thing really well first and then expanding from there well, the, and then the, the other thing that we learned is that you know when we started approaching potential customers no one has the same problem I mean, mm-hmm. each one of these lines of businesses have their own intricacies, their own little quirks. And, yeah. you know, so if you try, you know, when you talk to a venture capital uh, uh, a team, I mean, and they're used to a, an app that someone buys for one function, sometimes they have a hard time understanding the, the, the complexity of the business of insurance. And now you talk about all different lines and all the things that are, you know, that go in. It's like, well, okay, now this is too long of a sales cycle. Uh, no, I don't really, I don't know anything about this. I'm not comfortable. And so, yeah, yeah. we've learned. All right. Well, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good mistake to learn from. So, 
And I, I'll give you the, con- the, I always ask that question because, you know, too often you hear the, the highlight reels of a bit, you know, I read, and I always love to read um, books and, you know, or at least on different companies and the history. And I'll, I listen to some podcasts and shows, but that's always kind of, you know, if I have free time when I listen to, for odds and aside, if you're ever looking for a good podcast, I'd love to listen to is a podcast called Business Wars, where they kind of go through like an Apple versus a um, IBM or Windows and you, or you get, you know, Ford versus Ferrari and you get all these different, uh, you know, kind of businesses that go up and head to head. We always get the highlight reels to a large degree of, hey, you know, everything worked out great and everything built up and you never get to hear, hey, this is not an easy thing. It's, it's not just, hey, I, I started a company, it grew and it was a wild success and there was no hiccups along the way, which no matter the business is never the case. And so that's oh. why I always ask what the, uh, the worst, uh, what the worst business is you made. And I think that was a great. I, I, I would be highly skeptical if someone uttered that in public. Highly <laughs> skeptical. So, okay, well, now we'll go to the second question that I always ask. So if you were to get, talk, speaking to someone that was getting into startups or just started or wanting to get into startups, but kind of in that phase of life, what would be the, the top piece or the one piece of advice you would give them? Build a team and trust. Build a team and trust. So the things that you need to look for uh, and bring in are, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago. Integrity is everything, person's integrity. Ethics, you got to do the ethical thing. If you, if, if you take shortcuts or you cross over that line uh, that's going to be perceived as something illegal down the road, it's going to come back and bite you. Don't, mm. don't do it. So ethics is it. And then you, you, you need to have people that are resilient. There, is going, there will be tough times. I mean, cash flow is always an issue. Yeah, uh, it seems until you're I mean, into like, it seems like, you know, advanced series A or series B funding, and then maybe it's not an issue. But I mean, cash flow, I mean, you, you, you will always worry about cash flow, and there will be tough times. So you need the people that are going to stick this out with you, because uh, there will be payoffs, no quitters, you don't want any quitters. And then you have to be able to pivot. So like when we started, we had this vision um, you know, there was going to be two different divisions within Finalytics, one on healthcare, one on general claims. Uh, it didn't even last a few months. You need to pivot. You need to pivot on where the market needs or is the, the marketplace is telling you what the draw is and what they need. So you have to be able to pivot or else you won't survive. No, that's very good insight. And I think all, all good advice. So Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I always get to the end of these and there's about 20 more things I think would be fun and interesting to, to touch on that we never have the time, but it was, it was fun to hear your journey and your story. And it's certainly one that uh, is uh, an interesting one. And I think a, a great one to, to learn from and to hear. So if people are interested in uh, whether it's uh, getting to know a little bit more about your product and what you guys do or looking to invest or be, become part of the team or just uh, reach out to you guys and find out more, what's the best way to reach out to you guys? Um, Infinalytics.com. Uh, just click the button info and send us that email. Uh, we also have an 800 number there on our website. It's I-N-F-I-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-S, Infinalytics.com. Um, and it, it goes straight to my smartphone every time someone sends something in. So you're not going to get lost and we will respond. Perfect. Well, uh, certainly for those that are interested or want to reach out, um, certainly direct them your way. And uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, for those of you that are also uh, 
wanting, if you're needing any help with uh, patents or trademarks or looking to, uh, or any advice for your startup or small business, um, I'm also happy to help. So feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law um, and uh, anybody on the podcast. They're, they're always uh, happy to, to talk or connect up with you as well. Um, as well, if anybody is uh, looking for help, we're here to help you. So thank you again, John, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hopefully to hear or see how your journey continues on and uh, hope wish you the, a very successful journey. Thank you, Devin. I've really enjoyed it. So please stay in touch. Will do. All right. Thank you.